There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Welcome to another episode. How are you? I hope that you're in good form wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On Luke's English Podcast, I like to do all kinds of things as a way of helping you to improve your English. Sometimes I will teach you things, grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation. Sometimes I'll just give you some interesting stuff to listen to. And that's what I'd like to achieve in this episode, okay? So this episode features a few humorous accounts of people's experiences on aeroplanes. Now, why have I chosen this topic? Well, why not, okay? Um, there's no Christmas or, or New Year connection or anything like that. It's just an episode that I've been thinking about for ages, and finally, I've got around to doing it, okay? Actually, the main reason is just so that I can play you some stand-up comedy, which hopefully you will both learn from and enjoy, okay? I always want to play you stand-up comedy because I think it's brilliant, and I want to share it with you. The subject of flying, which is what this episode is, is dealing with, um, it's something that's pretty universal. I mean, we all fly on planes. Well, most of us do. We all have experiences of flying on planes. So I thought there was a pretty good chance that you'd be able to relate to people's comedy routines on that subject. Um, comedians all seem to have material based on flying. It's a very common topic for stand-up comedy. Uh, I think precisely because it's universal, but also because it's quite a, a bizarre experience, isn't it, in some ways. When you think about it, um, getting into a huge metal plane, and um, it, I mean, it's huge, and it, it's made of metal. It doesn't... S logic would seem to... Well, our, our stupid logic would tell us that... Um, I mean, there's always that question in the back of your mind when you get into an aeroplane, which is like, really, this is this thing is going to fly through the air? It's still, even though we've been flying for quite a long time now as as humans, there's still something pretty um, extraordinary about it, uh, I think, and it can be a little bit frightening. So it's something that um, I think we all, uh, you know, share, isn't it? As a as a as a species, just the, the bizarre experience of, of flying. So we're going to listen to some stand-up comedians talking about their flying experience. Um, please do be aware right now at the outset that there is some rude language in this episode, okay? You will hear some swearing and, you know, rude words and things like that, okay? It's very normal in stand-up comedy. Comedians often use colourful and sometimes offensive language in their routines. That's just the nature of stand-up comedy. Okay, so um, let's listen to some stories of people flying. Stories which hopefully you will find funny and amusing. That's the idea. Um, also, right now at the beginning, I should say that if you go to teacherluke.co.uk and find the page on the website for this episode, you will find loads and loads of stuff that will help you um, understand this, this particular episode of the podcast. So you'll find... Um, 
scripts of every comedy routine that we're going to listen to. Um, you'll find my notes as well. And um, lots of the things I'm saying are transcribed there, so you'll be able to read them. Um, so um, this could be a really great resource for you uh, as learners of English. Just go to the website, check out all the text there. It's going to help you a lot. Alternatively, you don't have to check out the website. You can just listen, uh, just sit back, relax, um, and just try and uh, understand what's being said. Um, but if you want to take it a little step further and actually look at the words that are being used, uh, maybe compare what you heard to what is written to check that you've understood everything properly then you can of course go to teacherluke.co.uk and check it all out there okay so let's listen to some stories of people flying um, almost all of the stories that you're going to hear in this um, in this episode are comedy routines by stand-up comedians um, one of the things you're going to hear is just an inspirational story which does have some laughs in it they're all about um, people's experiences of flying on, on airplanes now uh, before I play you anything there are three things that I wonder Okay, three things that I'm I'm thinking about. Um, first thing is that I wonder if you will get all of the details of the stories that I'm going to play you. I wonder if you're going to notice, be able to hear uh, all of the details. And I also the second thing is I, I wonder if you will find them funny. Now, when I listen to these, especially the comedy routines that you're going to hear, when I listen to them, I th I find them very amusing and enjoyable, and there's humour in there and comedy. Um, I wonder if you are able to notice, not only notice, but also enjoy the comedy which is being presented to you. Um, usually, comedy, jokes, humour, that kind of thing, that's one of the hardest things to appreciate in a second language, okay? Uh, I want to try and push your English, and so I like to present you with stand-up comedy because not only does it present you with some authentic listening resource, uh, uh an authentic listening resource. It also has that extra sort of goal, the extra reward, which is that if you understand it properly, then you get a kind of um, a little joke. You get you get a laugh at the end of it as a reward. Um, so I wonder if you're going to find them funny, okay? And thirdly, I wonder if you know all of the vocabulary that you're going to hear. And remember, you can just check out the scripts for these um, routines on teacherloop.co.uk as a way of... Um, as a way of helping you to pick up any of the vocab that you perhaps didn't understand, okay? So, to understand the subtleties of these these recordings, I will give you a quick summary of each story before you listen. So then you'll know the main events, you'll know the main ideas which are being communicated, and that will hopefully leave you to just focus on the funny details. So, listen to my account first, my simple summary, and then you can listen to the comedy version and, and see what the differences are. Um, to deal with the humour, I will actually explain what I find funny about each sketch after we listen. Now, obviously, humour is totally subjective. It really depends on the person, and there is no universal form of humour. What one person finds funny, another person doesn't find funny. However, I also find that humour is one of the last things, as I said, it's one of the last things that you can pick up when you're learning a language. Um, in my experience, learners of English tend not to find the same things funny as native speakers, perhaps because they don't get the cultural reference points or because you can't really understand it well enough to get all the jokes immediately. Um, instant comprehension 
of all the subtle shifts in tone and meaning um, is very important for finding something funny. Most of the funny aspects of these routines for me are not out they're not obvious jokes. It's far more subtle than that. It's a way it's to do with the the, the particular attitude of the uh, the comedian, uh, the approach they take to dealing with the subject. Um, so it, it could be quite challenging for you to actually pick up on the humorous aspects. Maybe not. Maybe you will you'll you'll get it all and you'll find it very funny. Um, anyway, let's see if you can pick up on those subtle things and find the humor and just enjoy it. Basically, if you're enjoying the story or enjoying the routine, then good. You're you're doing well. Um, now, I will give you my assessment of what I think is funny after each bit, okay? Now, I know that you shouldn't really explain jokes or explain humour because it kills the, the humour, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to help you to understand uh, why someone might find that funny. Because, who knows, you might listen to these things and, and think, that wasn't funny at all. I didn't get any of that. That, that just seemed to be annoying. Um, but... If I give you my commentary, then maybe you'll you'll get a bit more insight into uh, why I find it funny. Okay, now I've played comedy in my English classes to students uh, for many many years, and um, you know me, I'm a huge fan of comedy, and I think it's it's great, and I value it very highly. And so naturally, in my English classes, every now and then, I would play my students some comedy, and usually, I personally would be disappointed by the result. I mean, I, I would notice that my students didn't, first of all, didn't really find the things funny, and understandably, just because their English wasn't quite at the right level, maybe, that was one thing. But on the other hand, that the other thing that disappointed me was the fact that the students didn't seem to value what was being presented to them they didn't actually seem to want to try to find it funny maybe that's just how it felt you know that it sort of hurt me a little bit because i i personally was very passionate about the things i was playing them but i just got the sense that they didn't even see how it was it was valuable or useful and that they almost like um comedy doesn't have a very high value in many cultures in the culture of the english language stand-up comedy is is very very highly valued and some of our favorite people some of the most famous people that we have in fact some of the most celebrated um uh like people on television in in radio and stuff like that are stand-up comedians and we love the art of stand-up i'm not sure about the rest of the world in fact i get the sense that stand-up is sort of seen as a as not such a high form of 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 art or expression anyway i will i will give you some comments about what i found funny and we'll see we'll see if you notice those things too um, and and we'll just see what happens as ever i'm interested in in your comments so go to teacherloot.co.uk and leave your comments under each episode um um, as an as a kind of experiment in um, listening comprehension, I want you to tell me what you thought of the clips. Okay, did you find them funny? Which one was your favourite, and so on? I'll also give you one of those um, uh, like a questionnaire poll thing where you can just click uh, on which one you thought was funny, or click one of the options that I give you. Um, okay, so there is also vocabulary, which I don't think will be such a problem. But we'll see. I may explain some items of vocabulary that appear. Otherwise, you can just check out the transcripts and Google them and study them yourselves. Okay. And if that is not enough already, um, 
And I've, in fact, I've already mentioned this. There are scripts of every stand-up routine that you hear in this episode, and you can check them out on the webpage and use them to understand every single word if that is what you fancy doing. So um, let's go in no particular order. I, I haven't chosen uh, these bits in any any particular order, really. Uh, you will hear uh, four things, four routines, or four stories, um, and we're going to hear from three of the most celebrated stand-up comedians in the world, and also another story f- f- of a of a real event that actually happened. Okay, so we're going to hear four things. The first thing will be um, Louis C.K. Um, talking about the time that he thought he would die. And that's from one of his live stand-up concerts. Then we're going to hear Eddie Izzard talking about uh, eating biscuits on a plane. And thirdly, we, we will hear from Jerry Seinfeld just talking about observations at the airport. And the fourth thing we'll hear is um, a guy called Rick Elias talking about three things he learned when his plane crashed. And that's a real... Um, account of a plane crash. Okay, so we will start with um, Louis C.K.'s story. Um, I've talked about Louis C.K. on the podcast before. Most of you should know who he is, really. Um, if you're not sure who Louis C.K. is, he's an American stand-up. He's he's generally, I think, considered to be, you know, the top stand-up in the world. Maybe Seinfeld is is is. Um, it's Louis C.K. and Seinf- Jerry Seinfeld are considered to be probably the best stand-up comedians in America at the moment. I think more people know Jerry Seinfeld because of the TV show, but Louis C.K. is the sort of... Um, um, he's he's like the critic's choice. If you're an expert or a specialist um, in, in stand-up, then Louis C.K. is the one that everyone really celebrates. Um, so Louis C.K.'s story. Let me give you the summary first. In in not particularly funny um, in in not a particularly funny way, but just the basics of the story. So here we go. Here's the summary of Louis C.K.'s story, which is entitled "The Time I Thought I Would Die." And so Louis talks about a time when he was scared for his life, and he thought he was going to die. And it's a true story. Um, he was flying from Indianapolis to New York, and there was a delay because of a because of a technical problem with the plane uh the fuel gauge was broken the fuel gauge is the the thing that shows you how much fuel there is you have one in your car they also have one in airplanes so um they were sitting on the runway for some time and there was a delay because the fuel gauge was broken they didn't know how much fuel they had but the pilot decided to fly even though he didn't know how much fuel was in the plane which is a bit of a risk, isn't it? So Louis just assumed that the pilot knew what he was doing. He just unquestionably put his trust in the pilot, um, which is quite an interesting thing. Why do we do this? Why do we just put all of our trust in in the hands of one person? Um, so Louis does express some concern about the rather relaxed approach to safety which the pilot is taking just choosing to fly even though they don't have any fuel they even though they don't know how much fuel is in the plane um he chooses to fly anyway and louis does express some concern about this um the plane is still delayed though because of bad weather at their destination in new york um the pilot informs the passengers that he's going to lie to the tower you know, there's a there's a tower uh, at every airport which is full of um, f- air, f- air traffic controllers who are responsible for managing which planes can land and where they land and so on. Uh, they all sit in a tower. 
So the pilot informs uh, the passengers that his plan is that he's going to lie to the tower in New York, telling them that they're going to Philadelphia, even though they're actually going to go to New York. Uh, the plan is to head. Uh, the plan is to say where to say that they're going to Philadelphia, and at the the last minute. Um, ask for permission to land in New York. So New York has said, no, you can't land here, the bat, there's bad weather. So the pilot's going to say, well, we're flying to Philadelphia, and then at the last minute, oh, well, can we land in New York? And then the uh, the tower will be sort of uh, forced to, to agree. Uh, because according to the pilot, he thinks the weather is not so bad. Now, in my version, the one I'm just giving you now, obviously this isn't funny at all. But in the way that Louis explains it, Louis, of course, is a professional stand-up comedian of like 25 years experience um he does it in a in a funnier way um so again louis expresses concern about the attitude of the pilot and wonders why the pilot is sharing this information with him why is the pilot telling him this ridiculous plan um louis and the other passengers basically accept the situation though because perhaps stupidly they do have just you know, weird faith in the pilot and in the whole situation. So despite the fact that this sounds like it's going to be a nightmare, all of the passengers are going, yeah, okay, fine. Um, The weather during the flight uh, is terrible, uh, and there was a big storm um, which caused the plane to shake around and stuff, which must have been very frightening. Um, He managed to somehow listen to the conversation between the plane and the tower in New York. Uh, In you know, in planes they have little radios and sometimes you can tune into the frequency that allows you to listen to the plane talking to the tower. So Louis managed to listen to this conversation. And in fact, the tower didn't allow the plane to land in New York because of the bad weather. Um, So they could have run out of fuel and fallen out of the sky at the moment because uh, the pilot couldn't fly to Philadelphia because he didn't have enough fuel. Suddenly, the tower in New York announced that the airport was closed due to bad weather. And at that point, the pilot panicked and requested urgent permission to land because obviously he realised that he didn't have enough fuel. Then there's a conversation between the guy in the tower and the pilot and the, the tower guy allowed uh, him to land but he was quite annoyed the pilot immediately went in for landing in a in a very dramatic way and it was an extremely an extremely stressful and dangerous landing in low visibility um, and louis talks about how that felt as a passenger uh, the pilot and all the passengers uh, after the plane landed they were all extremely emotional at the end and then even the taxi drivers at the airport were subs- were su- uh, surprised by the dramatic landing of the plane. Okay, so that's my summary. Again, not very f- not a funny summary by any means, but uh, nevertheless, it should give you an idea of uh, basically what Louis C.K. is talking about. But let's now listen to Louis C.K. When I Thought I Was Going to Die, which is from an album which you can purchase. It's called Word, Live at Carnegie Hall. And um, I really, really do strongly recommend that you buy that uh, album. It's a it's a whole stand-up concert. It's something like an hour or, or so, an hour of him doing stand-up. And he tells lots of stories, and it's one of the best um, stand-up uh, recordings that you can get. And if you want to buy it, you can. It's very easy. I think it costs about $5, which is not very much for such a good piece of work. Um, 
you can just go to louisck.net, um, louisck.net, and there you can buy live at Carnegie Hall. And this uh, is, is just one part of that. So uh, please do go and buy his concert. And you can also buy his other videos and things directly from his website there. Uh, very reasonable prices. So here we are now going to listen to uh, Louis C.K. Uh, when I Thought I Was Going to Die from the album Word, live at Carnegie Hall. I'll tell you this story about one time that I thought I was going to die. I think it's the only time where I thought, why wouldn't this be when I die? I was on a plane. I've been on a lot of planes and a lot of shitty weather and stuff, but this shit was fucked up. I was in Indianapolis on a plane waiting to take off, and we're sitting there, and the pilot comes on, and he says, uh, Hi, folks. Um, the fuel gauge is broken, so we're waiting for maintenance. So we wait. About 20 minutes. Then he comes back on, uh, Folks, the uh, fuel gauge is still broken, uh, but we're going to go anyway. Uh, we know how much fuel we have, and we feel confident it'll be okay, so we're going to go. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he's a pilot. I'm sure he's going by some manual that says, you know, if the fuel gauge breaks, call maintenance. If they're not there in 20 minutes, fuck it. <laughs> fuel gauges are overrated. Just go. You're fine. <laughs> Just top it off and remember what happened. So then we still don't take off. And a guy comes back on. Uh, folks, we have another problem. LaGuardia Airport in New York won't give us clearance to take off because the weather has been bad there intermittently. So we're going to wait for that. So we wait 20 minutes. Then he comes back on. Uh, folks, LaGuardia still hasn't given us clearance. But we're going to go anyway. <laughs> we're looking at the radar. We think the weather will be fine. So what we're going to do is uh, say that our destination is Philadelphia. We'll get clearance to go there. Halfway to Philadelphia, we'll switch course to the Guardia Airport. We'll be happy there in a few minutes. I swear to God he said this. First of all, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be honest with the dude in the tower. Like, does the dude in the tower have to go, really, you're going to come on? Tell me where you're going. And why is he telling us this shit? I, are, am I going to have to corroborate this lie if we get pulled over by the sky police at some point in the flight? Oh, no, we're totally going to Philly. I got a brother there, and uh, we got a thing in Philly. But I'm still fine with it because we're travelers on the plane. Yeah, I got a thing. Fuck it. I'm immortal. Just go, please. Yes. Go into marginal weather with shoddy equipment secretly. I totally support this plan. So, we take off. We get above where we are right now. And it's just a black motherfucker of a cloud. It's just like the Wizard of Oz. It's just, there's trees throwing apples at us. It's crazy. It's just horrible. And we're the whole flight, and we're making these circles. And me and the guy next to me are both listening to the tower. You know how you can plug into your seats sometimes? And you can listen to the tower talk to the area airplanes. And we keep, he, we keep hearing our guy trying to get clearance to land from LaGuardia. Ah, uh, this is Delta 288 uh, requesting clearance to land. That's uh, a negative 288. <laughs> Low visibility. A few minutes go by. Uh, this is Delta 288. We would really like clearance to land. Yeah, that's a negative 288. Like he was getting annoyed. 
And meanwhile, we're just circling and burning this vague amount of fuel. <laughs> we could just stop being an airplane at any second. And then we hear this. This is all true. This, the LaGuardia guy comes, it's LaGuardia Airport to all area airplanes. We are closed for the night. Zero visibility. Not safe for landing. Please divert to Philadelphia or Allentown, Pennsylvania or Boston. And then we hear our guy, this is Delta 20. We need, we need to land now. We have no fuel. We have no fuel. We have to land right now. Hmm. Interesting. Then there's a pause, and then we hear this. Well, then clear to land, then I'm 280. Uh. That's how he said it, like, dude. <laughs> no one can see, okay? But just, I, I guess all the dumb decisions you made today have made this a good one. Just take a shot. I'm going home. Just fucking turn the lights off after you crash. I don't give a shit, frankly. By the way, you're not supposed to be here, you fucking liar. You said you were going to Philly. So as soon as we get clearance, we just... Like we start bulleting. We're either flying desperately towards the ground or falling. I don't know that there's a difference. We come out of the clouds and there's the fucking earth right fucking there. It's right there. That's what low visibility means. We come out of the clouds and no fucking swipe to Jesus! And the plane just... And you can feel the plane go, oh, fuck, I can't do that. What are you, nuts? And we go, and veer over the highway. And I swear to God, I saw people in their cars go, what the fuck? And we hit the runway like sideways. And the pilot comes back on, all true, I swear to God. He's totally out of breath. He's like... Welcome to LaGuardia Airport, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> you may turn on your cell phones now, and you may call your loved ones. He said that. He said you may call your loved ones. And everybody on the plane was crying and rocking back and forth, just sobbing calling their husbands and their wives. I'm divorced. What am I going to... I remember you hate me? Well, I almost died. <laughs> and I got in a cab, and the cab driver goes, that was a very bad landing. I was like, how'd you know that was me? He's like, that's the only plane to land in four hours. <laughs> we all watched the drivers, we said, they're going to die. Okay, that was Louis C.K. talking about when he thought he was going to die. Um, I wonder what you thought of that. Now, what did I? Th what do I think is funny about this? Well, um, 
well, as I've said already, it's always always a bit of a bad idea to try and explain humour because it usually kills all the comedy. But what the hell? Let's do it anyway. So firstly, there aren't really any jokes in this bit. No, no kind of classic like um standard structured jokes um it's just the way that louis tells the story adding some descriptions and some sarcasm some attitude and drama that's it really um the first big laugh comes from the line fuck it um as if you know the 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 line where he says um you know the pilot's manual uh where he says um i'm thinking okay well he's a pilot i'm sure he's going by some manual that says you know if the fuel gauge breaks call maintenance if they're not in 20 minutes if if they're not there in 20 minutes fuck it fuel gauges are overrated just go you're fine just top it off and remember what happened um so that's really where the first laugh uh comes from as if a manual for a pilot on a plane would actually say if the fuel gauge doesn't work ah fuck it just go of course a manual wouldn't write that instead this indicates the negligent attitude of the pilot who is flouting the safety regulations and this is what is going through the pilot's head and it's uh, it, it's clearly a huge act of negligence um there's something funny also about copying the voice of a pilot especially when he's acting rather irresponsibly we all hear those pilots announcements um you know this is the guy that we're all trusting our lives to he usually sounds quite relaxed the pilot and pilots do have a certain kind of voice thankfully you know it's usually that um <coughs> welcome aboard flight uh you know welcome aboard flight lep 102 this is your pilot speaking um we're about to take off and we've just been given clearance for takeoff so you'd like to make sure that your seat back is in the upright position and your tray tables have been stowed away you know that sort of thing it's always very kind of um, calm confident smooth you can imagine all pilots look like george clooney right uh, and that's good because we need the pilot to give you know to speak to us in this confident self-assured kind of tone if the pilot spoke in a different voice um it might make us feel more uh, uncomfortable if the pilot was like um all right so i'm your pilot and um we're gonna take off in a few minutes all right so uh don't worry about the safety announcement you don't really need to, to listen to that you know if the pilot spoke like that it might be a bit weird not that a liverpool accent is inherently uh sort of uh untrustworthy or anything no it's just that um somehow pilots pilots always seem to have this kind of voice it's, a, it's almost like the bbc voice isn't it um so thankfully if if pilots did sound different it could be a bit worrying so anyway just copying the voice is quite amusing because it's something that we all hear we've all been exposed to it uh it's it's just a sort of an, an amusing observation um there's another line which he says i think you're supposed to be honest with the dude in the tower and for me this is a very funny line because it's understating the formal protocol the pilots have to follow and being honest with the dude in the tower is pretty much a fundamental responsibility of the pilot also the choice of the word dude is funny because we're talking in informal terms about normally formal things and this highlights the careless attitude of the pilot um the thought has just struck me here right now is that I am ex- I'm attempting to explain a comedy routine and it's just always a, a very bad idea. I think I've said on the podcast before that if you try trying to explain a joke or trying to explain humour is a bit like um, dissecting a frog. 
you know in a science class it's like dissecting a frog because no one really learns anything and the frog dies so um by dissecting louis ck's comedy routine i don't know if it's going to help you really to appreciate the humor and in fact in the process the 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 humor is just going to die anyway but I'm on a mission to try and help people of the world who don't speak English as a first language to appreciate the the the, the wonderful um, bits of stand-up comedy that are available to you. Um, okay, so let's carry on. Um, so why why the, the, another line is why is he telling us this shit? Do we have to corroborate his story? And that's true. Why was the pilot telling him, telling the passengers this absurd plan to lie to the tower and then at the last minute land in New York? So really, he's kind of painting the character of the pilot like some kind of shitty friend who expects you to lie for him. For me, there's something funny about this situation in that um, we never see the pilot. We just hear his announcements. So we kind of get a, a, an idea of his personality and that he's he's being a dick. And also the fact that there's a a juxtaposition of what we normally expect pilots to be like very responsible very um uh very sort of uh serious and responsible and trustworthy and this pilot who's just acting like an irresponsible uh dick right um also the fact that everyone on the flight just accepts what's happening um and this is this is actually a very good observation because we do put our trust in people in authority positions very easily we almost consider ourselves immortal when we're not responsible for our for our own safety. It's the same in taxis, okay? When whenever I get into a taxi, I never put the seatbelt on. When I'm driving or a passenger in a car, I'm always, you know, putting the seatbelt on. I'm very careful about that because it's very important to be safe. But for some reason in the back of a taxi, never put the seatbelt on. Why why is that? Are we somehow immortal when we get into the back of a taxi? I don't know. Um, Louis C.K. is just a great storyteller. He brings the story alive with certain detailed descriptions to elicit fear, surprise, and so on. And he knows just how much detail should be given in the correct places. The humorous bits are delivered with excellent timing. They're not obvious jokes. He's really a master, and he makes it look easy. Okay, he makes the storytelling look like it's very casual, um, almost like he, you know, um, it's just coming off the top of his head. But believe me, it's not easy. It's not easy to tell a story and make it amusing like that. Um, So then also we have the irritated conversation between the pilot and the tower. The pilot is a total dick and the tower is getting annoyed with him. And you don't normally expect a pilot to behave like that. Then we've got the dramatic moment when Louis hears the pilot panicking, uh, which which he describes as interesting which clearly understates exactly how alarming it must have felt to hear that. Um, The tower also is so pissed off, and this is expressed with the line, well, clear to land then, which is delivered with so much frustrated despondency by Louis, as if the guy in the tower is is like a tired parent who's run out of patience with his uh, mischievous child. And this kind of frustration in a conversation is usually over something like homework or another petty disagreement. In this case, people's lives are involved. Um, Louis' performance, I think, is great. He adds loads of attitude into the conversation between the pilot and the tower. Again, the pilot is just acting like a dick uh, who has everyone's lives in his hands. Um, Louis even gives a voice to the plane, which has a personality of its own, complaining that the pilot is pushing it too hard. Like, dude, I can't do that! Expressing how low to the ground they were, 
um, he mentions people in their cars who could actually see he, he could actually see people in their cars mouthing the words what the fuck which again must have been very scary and does highlight just how dramatic it was um, so really it's just a dramatic and engaging story which seems to be true told in a way that that highlights the general irony of being at the mercy of a pilot making bad decisions um, also, by demonstrating that the pilot is emotional and out of breath after the landing, Louis allows us to imagine what we uh, what we couldn't see in the cockpit of the plane. The pilot had a really hard time landing the plane and is seriously traumatised. And for some reason, in comedy, letting the audience imagine something uh, for themselves is quite funny. It seems that that creates laughter in, in the audience. Rather than, like... Um, keep showing it to them directly letting them put two and two together and and work it out is quite rewarding for a comedy audience and also louis's impression of the emotional the emotional pilot crying uh, over the the speaker system is just quite an, amusing um his choice of phrase you may call your loved ones also emphasizes the emotional nature of the landing louis considers calling his ex-wife because he doesn't really have any other loved ones but his ex-wife hates him which clearly would be a pointless move and this highlights louis's sense of alienation really and the fact that no one really cares about him like he nearly just died in an in a plane crash but you know who cares um louis really is like a classical comedy character he's lonely he's sad he's alienated um so we also um we, we kind of get an, a little insight into just it, the the sadness in his own world and in comedy there's always a bit of tragedy in, involved at, uh, as well um we also get another character that of the taxi driver who we just learn uh, who we learn just watched the the plane land, uh, fully expecting everyone on board to die. So that's it. Again, explaining it does really no justice to the quality of Louis' work. Generally, I find that it helps if you care about the story you're listening to. If you're emotionally invested in it, it's much more engaging and therefore funnier. So if you believe that it's true, for example, it's it, it's likely to be funnier. I expect that's why Louis often says, I swear this is true. Uh, and so on. Please listen to the routine again. Just rewind and listen to Louis uh, doing it again. I'll post a, um, a video on the webpage from YouTube so you can listen to it again there. Please do listen to it again because the more you listen to it, the more you'll you'll get a sense of the details and so on and so on. Please do try and care about it. You'll find it more enjoyable and rewarding if you do. Um, just in case you were in any doubt about the comic value of that routine, then let me just remind you that Louis C.K. is widely considered to be perhaps the funniest stand-up working on the scene at the moment. He's a celebrated comedian. Anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that he's great. So if you were doubting if he really is funny, well, I would say, yes, he is. But of course, in the end, humour is subjective. Uh, it, but it may help you to, f- to find it funny if you realise that many other people do, okay? So is it that it's just not funny, or is it just that this, you're missing something? Let's move on to the next one, and that's this is Eddie Izzard, who is an English-born... Uh, he's not born in England, he was born in the Middle East, but he's basically English. Um, he um, has spent time living in other parts of the world. He's really an English uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, I've talked about Eddie Izzard on the podcast before. Um, Here is my basic version of Eddie's routine about eating biscuits on a plane. Again, I'm, I'm doing this so that you can understand the main point and then compare this description with Eddie's version. Uh, It may also allow you to notice the humorous aspects of Eddie's uh, comedy routine. 
So in this bit, Eddie describes a flight that he took from Cork in the Republic of Ireland to Belfast in Northern Ireland. It's not a long flight, so the plane uh, is very small. In fact, there were only about six people on board. So he walked across the runway to the tiny plane carrying his bags. Normally, you don't just walk across the runway with the bags in your your hands. Normally, there's like some sort of uh, um, like system which allows you to walk you know from the airport terminal directly onto the plane but because it was such a small plane he walked across the runway holding his bags and this made him feel like he was in the Beatles Um, the pilot was waiting standing there waiting next to the plane which reminded him of going on holiday with his dad when he was a kid Uh, his dad would be there standing by the car waiting trying to um, get everyone to hurry up come on hurry up hurry up get in the car in the same way the pilot was kind of standing there going come on hurry up get in the plane um He describes a few things which felt odd about being on such a small plane. The pilot was right there sitting in front of him. Um, and yet he could st- he, the pilot still did all the formal announcements like on a bi- on on bigger flights um, he talks about the fact that there was no co-pilot but that the pilot had brought coffee and biscuits to share with everyone um, he talks about the safety considerations of flying including the idea of a bird strike which is when birds can go through the the jet engine of a plane causing an accident um, Although Eddie doesn't agree with the the term bird strike because the birds aren't really choosing to strike the engine, but rather they're actually being sucked into the engine against their will. Um, The pilot on the tiny plane gave the full safety announcement, but people don't usually listen to the safety announcement. Uh, So perhaps the staff should make it sound like there's going to be an accident just to make sure people do listen properly. Um, Eddie makes fun of the life jacket that you that they have on planes and other safety procedures um eddie describes the fact that the in-flight refreshments were just some coffee and biscuits shared by the pilot he had a little basket with biscuits in it and he notices that the pilot has a secret stash of chocolate biscuits and jammy dodgers jammy dodgers are basically biscuits with with uh, strawberry jam in the middle so the pilot had a secret stash of chocolate biscuits and jammy dodgers which he doesn't share with the other passengers. And he gets into a bit of an argument with the pilot over why he deserves to be given chocolate biscuits. This ends in the pilot crashing the plane into a mountain in order to win the argument. And in fact, Eddie dies at the end of this story. Um, so let's now listen to um, Eddie Izzard and his description of biscuits on a plane. Uh, and this is taken from um, one of Eddie Izzard's uh, comedy DVDs, which is called Glorious. Um, you can download it from the iTunes store. Just go to the iTunes store and just type in Eddie Izzard Glorious. On teacherluke.co.uk, you'll find a link, which will you can just click and it'll take you to the iTunes store and you can download the DVD. Well, it's not a DVD. Now it's just a video. You can download it. Um, there's an audio version and a video version. And I strongly recommend that you do that, of course, because it's brilliant. It's one of the best stand-up um, videos that I've ever seen. And uh, you, you really must uh, give it a shot and give it a try. You might find it really enjoyable and fun. So now let's listen to Eddie Izzard talking about um, his experience of eating biscuits on a tiny little plane uh, flying to Belfast. And I was, uh, I had to do a flight last year on a tour which was uh, from Cork to Belfast. There were only six passengers. Someone turned up and said, well, we're not going to put you on the 747 because that would be laughable. (laughs) 
so we've got a Volkswagen Beetle with wings for you. <laughs> so I said, and we had our bags, you didn't give them to anyone, you just walked with them. Obviously I didn't walk like this, that was comedy, I was walking like this. But that's a better mind position. And uh, otherwise you just think I'm walking. But that's with bags, you see. In case you ever need it, you know, in Nigeria and... Very big in mine. In my, anyway, so, uh, so yes, I was walking along with the bags and going through, uh, you know, it's very small airports, so you just go through a wooden door and someone goes, beep, oh, there's a problem there, I better check. <laughs> and walking across the runway to get to the plane. If you ever do that, walking with your bags across the runway you, to an aeroplane, you feel like the Beatles, you know? <laughs> the squirrel's going, We got there, the pilot was right by the plane, and he's going, and it was just like going on holiday with your dad. He's going, come on, come on! Come on, you don't need that, right? It's from a bag. Oh, bloody hell. Come on, get in, we're going to miss the clouds. Come on! So we get in, he was taxiing over to the runway. Come on, heads down, put your head down, I can't see. Come on. And it was right there. I was sitting right here. I could touch him on the shoulder. It was just like in the car with your dad. But um, he was doing, he was still, do, even though he could turn around and talk to us, he's still doing, this is your pilot speaking. Uh, <laughs> welcome to flight uh, one. <laughs> From here to there, we're going to be flying at a height of 10 feet, going up to a height of 12 and a half feet, if we see anything big. Your co-pilot today is a thermos of coffee. <laughs> I thought there was a rule in uh, flying that you have to have two pilots in case one goes, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and the other one goes, I'll take over. Dun, la, da, da, dun, la, da. I've got one of my own. People in the back, I've got one. Dun, la, da. We had a thermos of coffee that was going to fly us home. And he's there and, and doing the stuff and we're, we're getting into flying and... Uh, and they have, a, they, have a, they have a word in, um, in airport, uh, uh, the industry, the airways industry, they have a thing called bird strike. Bird strike is called. It's when a flock of birds just flying along. What a wonderful day. They go straight through a jet engine. And it's called bird strike, and it's a misnomer, it's not true, because the birds aren't striking, it's, a, it's an engine suck. It's an engine making bird soup melange, you know? These birds aren't going, who's for bird strike, eh? Johnny Human's got these big metal buggers, they piss me off. I vote we go for bird strike. Alfie, Ginger, Stevie, Feathers, Stevens, Big Beak O'Reilly, Jimmy the Penguin, are you with me? Oh, you're a penguin, so you can stay here. <laughs> Come on, let's do bird strike! Dun, da, 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 da. Faster, faster! Dun, da, da. 747! <laughs> and just before they go through, do they go, look, there's Rod Stewart in first class. <laughs> we don't know. But, um, they do the safety announcement there. My guy in my plane was going, the safety instructions, a uh, little announcement here, the safety exits are here right next to me. If you see me go through this door, then please follow me quickly. 
If you've been in a big aeroplane recently, no one's listening. There's a problem, I believe, with no one's listening to the security announcements, you know, the safety things, because everyone's going, yeah, yeah, there, 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 there. Lights flash, flash, pull the thing, pull the thing, and death. Um, <laughs> it's a kind of, yeah, all right, you know. And, but uh, so the, the, the pilots have been told to sort of, you know, kick up the importance of these speeches and they're there going, now, now please, please do listen to the safety, I mean please do because, because we've, we've changed things around now yeah, you don't know what we're doing we're putting the life jacket on back to front now and some of the safety exits, some of them are false no, they're not true at all yeah, and, and listen very carefully because I've, I've got a bad feeling about this flight I don't think we're going to make it after that announcement, everyone's going show me, show me, show me everything, right Private showing. Show me again. That's good. No, I'm putting it on now. Fuck it. I'm putting it on now. <laughs> yes, I'll have a cup of coffee. Thanks. <laughs> and they have these life jackets, and they, you pull it, and, and you've got a little pipe here for top-up. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't want top-up. I want stays-up. <laughs> top-up implies hole-in, implies having to... I want fucking stays up, no hole in the first place, thank you very much. <laughs> Bloody top up. No, it's all a bit sort of tea and crumpets with a vicar, top up, yeah. <laughs> you crashed in the Atlantic, bobbing around. Oh, you survived as well, well done. Care for a top up? <laughs> Couldn't top me up, could you? <laughs> no, I didn't need it, I'm just trying to break the ice. Hey, float over here, float over here, float over here. Look, two pipes, pen pipes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it's 2,000 miles to Europe, 1,000 miles to America, you've got your whistle. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. A little light going beep, beep. And after a while, a pilot fish comes up. Hey, hey, that's my gang. <laughs> oh. oh, weird people. And there's Noah shooting around a speedboat. Nah. If anyone's got big ears, you can get them to sit on the side. That's photos to the Bible. So I was in my aeroplane, in my small aeroplane, and the guy's there, and we have drinks and light refreshments when we get above the clouds. And, um, and this coffee comes back from the thermos. You go, oh, cheers, Tom, eh? And it goes back. And then he had this wicker basket with biscuits in. They're all kind of digestive, you know, not terribly interesting. So I'm, I take the best ones, and it goes back to the guy at the back. Oh, these are crap. <laughs> you know when you're not hungry, but then you get offered a biscuit, you want better than that, you know. <laughs> I didn't want anything, but oh, what have you got? Oh. So I'm nibbling my biscuits and drinking my coffee, and, and I notice out the corner of my eye, the pilot reaches under his jacket, pulls out chocolate biscuits. <laughs> And in a flash, I realised he's hidden them there and taken them out of the wicker basket and hidden them underneath. And, because I knew that, because that's what I would have done. <laughs> you know, when you've got friends around, do you want some biscuits? I'm just going to get some biscuits. And you're up in the kitchen, you go, oh, I'll just have one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Someone comes up, do you want a hand? Oh, no, <laughs> Just letting this mouse run over my hands here. So he's the pilots there eating chocolate biscuits. And I'm there going, hey, chocolate biscuits, hey, digestive crap biscuits, hey. He's going, get off. Pilot, pilot, you know, stress, chocolate biscuits. 
Uh, what the hell? I'm going, no, customer, customer's always right. You know, digestive crap biscuits. Going, Fuck off. Five years training for this. Hard time. Chocolate biscuits. Perks of the trade. Well, I don't agree. I'm going, fucking... Hold on, hold on. What were you saying about chocolate biscuits? No, fine, have the chocolate biscuit. I don't care, I don't care. No. Chocolate biscuits. 20 minutes later, reaches out and pulls out jammy dodgers. Jammy dodgers. No. And we hit a mountain. And I died. So that was the end of that plane flight. And, um, and that is also the end of the show. So, thank you very much for being here. Good night. That was Eddie Izzard from 1997 from his uh, stand-up show called Glorious. Um, and so what's funny about this? Well, really, for me, it's all about Eddie and his idiosyncratic style. It's a cute story with some observational comedy around the subject of flying, but really it's Eddie's unique postmodern um, approach, uh, which makes it special for me. I mean, it's the way, just the way he talks is amusing to me. He sort of bends reality. It's surreal. Um, he deconstructs the whole performance. He does mime jokes, like physical jokes, um, which are... Uh, he, he kind of makes fun of the whole concept of physical humour and stuff. Um, he, he's generally quite self-conscious and self-aware. And, you know, I think that with Eddie, either you get it or you don't get it. And not really any amount of explaining will change your mind. He's a bit like Marmite. Marmite is a kind of um, like a vegetable food spread, stuff that you can spread on toast. It's stuff that we have in the UK. And either you love it or you hate it. There's nowhere in between. It divides people. So if so, if you say that something is like Marmite, it means that either you love it or you hate it. I think with Ed Eddie Izzard, you either get it or you don't get it. Um, but nevertheless, let me go through some specific things from the routine. So he says, he describes the plane by saying that it's a Volkswagen Beetle with wings, which is just an image to describe um, the, 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 the fact that the plane is so crappy and small. Um, he does a, a, a mime joke about the way he walks holding his bags. This is just a joke about how miming an action has to be quite specific because different mimes suggest different things. Um, you really have to watch the video, which you can find on the webpage, to understand that. A mime, do you know what a mime is? It's basically when you have to try and act something out without words. So you just use physical movements as a way of communicating something, to mime something. Uh, mime is a verb, it's also a noun, okay? To do a mime or to mime something um the moment where uh because of the the, the 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 fact that it's such a small airport you go through a wooden door and someone goes beep so the security is so basic that it's just literally a person standing there saying beep it's not even a security system it's just a guy who goes beep like that um he does a comparison between the pilot and his dad um, when he was a kid, uh, which highlights how small and cosy the flight was, while also having a sort of nostalgic comedy value. Sometimes comedians will get laughs from the audience just by in inciting the audience to remember something from the past. Um, 
and that's a very common thing in stand-up comedy the comic will just remind the audience of certain things from old things from the past like for example old mobile phones described in detail or in this case those memories of going on holiday with your parents when you were a kid and comedians often do this they describe shared past memories in detail and the audience gets a bit of a pleasant nostalgia from it okay um uh, the other thing is just making observations with a specific attitude. And this is really the basis of a whole form of stand-up comedy. That's observational humour. Lots and lots of comics do this. They just observe or notice specific details about commonly experienced things and then express them with an attitude. The attitude is usually sort of questioning the strangeness or bizarreness of the small details that we all experience. Jerry Seinfeld is really the master of this, as we will see in a bit, but Eddie Izzard does it a lot too and in this routine he does quite a lot of it talking about the safety routines on planes the the life jackets and some of the ridiculous aspects like the the idea that you have a little um a way to top up your life jacket uh you know that thing you blow into i like eddie's joke which is that you know with a life jacket i don't want top up i want stays up uh which is actually a quite funny joke um i think we can all relate to this just the understanding of you know certain weird things about the life jackets and and all that stuff also there's just the juxtaposition of these familiar things that we experience in large planes in such a small plane um he also questions the logic behind the term bird strike, renaming it engine suck, which really, when you think about it, is maybe a better uh, word because the birds aren't choosing to strike the plane. The engine is just sucking them into it. And then he voices the thoughts of the birds who apparently team up in order to take down aeroplanes. And for some reason, they're all portrayed like brave young World War II-era British pilots, like in the Battle of Britain. Um, then there's the whole scene with the pilot and his secret supply of biscuits. I don't really know why this is funny, to be honest. I can't really explain it. I just enjoy uh, Eddie's account of arguing with the pilot and the reasons why they should or shouldn't be allowed to share the, the chocolate biscuits. Then there's the cheeky ending in which... Eddie dies in his own story, which is a sort of playful deconstruction of those first-person story archetypes. Of course, it's impossible for him to have died at the end of the story, um, and yet, he, you know, according to him, he does die at the end, which is just um, a bit ridiculous. In the video, I love the cheeky look on Eddie's face at this point when he, when he um, you know, says that he died at the end of the story. I just love Eddie Izzard. Um, I think that's probably obvious. Did I mention, by the way, that I met him and had dinner with him um earlier this year I, I don't know if i mentioned that before on the podcast i think i did anyway just saying right let's move on to listen to jerry seinfeld talk about air airplane flights okay now this is a very famous comedy routine by one of the most well-known comedians in the world certainly in the english-speaking world but I shouldn't really build it up too much because it just could it could just end up being an anticlimax. So don't expect too much, really. Just try and follow what he's saying. Basically, Jerry talks about various aspects of airports and flying, focusing on some of the more ridiculous or pointless aspects of that experience. It's observational comedy. And here are the observations. For me, it's all about Jerry's delivery, his um, efficient use of words, the fact that he's chosen very carefully exactly um, how he's going to explain these ideas, his choice of words, the timing, all of it combines to, to create uh, for what for me is a very effective piece of observational stand-up comedy. Here are the things that Jerry says 
um, uh, sort of summarised. Okay, so Jerry sarcastically points out that the people who work in airport security are actually quite incompetent and unmotivated, and probably not very intelligent. And he wonders why the staff are so bored and so lazy. And he uses sarcasm uh, to express that idea. He describes the fact that the woman you typically see at security is often quite fat and her trousers are stretched almost to breaking point. And this would be quite cruel, making fun of fat people, if it wasn't so well worded. Also, bear in mind, this is the USA where, you know, that's quite common, I suppose. Um... Jerry has a reputation for being quite a clean comedian. He doesn't use swear words and things. But if you look more closely, he's actually quite aggressively antisocial in some cases. Um, he seems to hold the whole world in contempt. Certainly these annoying little details. Um, and his way of expressing this contempt he has for the irritating little details in life is hugely enjoyable. Because let's face it, we hate queuing up at the airport and having to listen to the safety announcement. He's really just voicing the thoughts that we all have in our heads in those situations. You know, like, what's with these people? I mean, really? Um, he suggests that the x-ray machine is useless because it's impossible to identify any objects and that the guy looking at the screen is unable to identify any bombs or weapons or anything. Um, he wonders why the taps, or as he describes them, faucets in American English, the taps in airports... Um, have those special on-off buttons. You know, you press the button down and you get a limited amount of water and you have to press the button again. Why don't they have those normal taps? Don't they trust us to use normal taps in airports? He also wonders why sandwiches are so expensive in airports. Why is it that everything is... The prices of everything is just um, uh, uh, so high in airports. He wonders why the pilot tells us everything he's going to do before he does it and in such a self-satisfied voice. We don't really need to know all of the things the pilot's going to do, the altitudes and all that stuff. All we really care about is that we get to our destination. Um, he also observes that the safety announcement is rather patronising, as if we really need to be told how to open that old-fashioned belt buckle. Of course, he doesn't mention this um, he doesn't mention that this is explained to us for legal reasons. Instead, he just focuses on the fact that it's just odd and annoying the way that we're all patronised so much in these situations. He notices that the stewardesses are very vague when they're pointing out the emergency exits during the safety announcement. Have you seen that on air air, air flights when they uh, the the stewardesses point to the emergency exits they do it in a very sort of vague hand movement um it also looks like some kind of musical number in like a broadway musical doesn't it with dance routines and so on um, he mentions that everything on the plane is tiny even the language that they use um to diminish problems during the flight it's all about small things tiny things we're gonna have a tiny problem we're gonna have a slight delay things like that he points out the idiosyncrasies of using the airplane toilet particularly the presence of a hole for razor disposal. I mean, who is actually shaving on these flights? So that's a summary of the things that you're going to hear. And now let's listen to Jerry Seinfeld talking about uh, flying. But I love to travel. I love it whether it's a car or it's a plane. I like to get out there. I like to keep it moving. I love airports. Feel safe in airports, thanks to the high-caliber individuals we have working at X-ray Security. <laughs> How about this crack squad of savvy, motivated personnel? 
The way you want to set up your airport security is you want the short, heavy-set woman at the front with the skin-tight uniform. That's your first line of defense. You want those pants so tight, the flap in front of the zipper has pulled itself open. You can see the metal tangs hanging on for dear life. Then you put the bag on the conveyor belt, goes through the little luggage car wash. Then you have that other genius down at the other end looking in the little x-ray TV screen. This Einstein has chosen to stand in front of x-rays 14 hours a day as his profession. Looking in that thing. I, I have looked in that TV screen. I cannot make out one object. He's standing there. What is that, a hair dryer with a scope on it? That looks okay. Keep it moving. Some sort of bowling ball candle. Yeah, I got no problem with that. Just, you know, we don't want to hold up the line. So I go to the bathroom in the airport. What, what is the story on the sinks in airport bathrooms that they will not give us a twisted on, twisted off human style faucet? Is that too risky for the general population? Too dangerous? We better install the one-handed, spring-loaded, pain-in-the-ass Alcatraz style faucets. You know those ones where you gotta go, hey, boy, I got a little water there. Oh, another couple drops. What is it that they think we would do with a faucet? Turn them all on full, run out into the parking lot, laughing, pushing each other into the bushes? Come on, the water's on, let's go! I turned it on full blast. You idiot, we're businessmen, we're gonna miss our plane. Who cares, water! That's how they think we'll behave. Do the people that work in these little shops in the airport have any idea what the prices are every place else in the world? Yeah, $14 tuna sandwich. We think that's fair. That's what we charge in our country. Then you get on the plane. Pilot, of course, always has to come on the PA system. This guy's so excited about being a pilot, he can't even stand himself. Well, I'm going to take it up to about 20000 and I'm going to make a left by Pittsburgh. And I'm going to make a right by Chicago. Then I'm going to bring it down to 15,000. You know, he's giving you the whole route, all his moves. We're in the back going, yeah, fine, that's all. You know, just do whatever the hell you got to do. I don't know. Just end up where it says on the ticket, really, is our only concern. Do I bother him with what I'm doing, knocking on the cockpit door? I'm having the peanuts now. Yeah, that's what we're doing back here. Thought I'd keep you posted. I'm not gonna have them all now, I'm just gonna have a few. I don't wanna finish it because it's such a big bag. Then the stewardesses have to come out, they have to do their little emergency equipment show, you know, that thing they do. One of them reads it, the other one acts it out. <laughs> hey, we have seatbelts and oxygen masks, things for you to use. <laughs> they show you how to use a seatbelt in case you haven't been in a car since 1965. 
Oh, you lift up on the buckle. Oh. I was trying to break the metal apart. I thought that's how it works. I was going to try and tear the fabric part of the belt. I thought if I could just get it started. Then they always point out the emergency exit. It's always with that very vague point, though, isn't it? Where the, where the hell would these places be, would you say? Planes at a 90-degree angle, your hair is on fire, you're looking for this. How do you think you're going to do there? She's thinking, I'm getting out before you're getting out. You're dead, you're dead, I'm gone. <laughs> then they always have to close that first-class curtain, too. And they always give you that little look. Maybe if you had worked a little harder. I wouldn't have to do this. It's a whole tiny world on the airplane, isn't it? There's always that little tiny table there, tiny computer, everyone's in a little cramped seat, tiny food, tiny utensils, tiny liquor bottles, tiny bathroom, tiny sink, tiny mirror, tiny faucets. So it's a small problem, gonna be a slight delay, we're gonna be a little late. I always go in the airplane bathroom. Even if I don't have to go, I gotta go in there. It's nice, it's like your own little apartment on the plane, isn't it? Go in there, lock the door, the light comes on after a second. It's like a little surprise party. But I'm always impressed with the amount of equipment that they have in that place. I mean, it's little, but they got the tissues, towels, closets, compartments, tiny slot for used razor blades. They always have that. Who is shaving on the plane? And shaving so much, they're using up razor blades? Is this what's happening? What is the wolf man flying in there for Christ's sakes? Who could shave that much? Her. <laughs> okay, so that was Jerry Seinfeld talking about uh, his experiences and his observations about air flight. Um, what's funny about this? Well, you know what? I don't have time. I don't have time to go into all the reasons why I think this is funny. But you can read the notes that I've prepared if you go to teacherluke.co.uk. And if you want to kind of read a bit of commentary, go to go to the website. You'll find the notes that I don't have time to read through. Instead, what I want to do is just uh, move on. Um, before I do that, though, I must rem remind you, do check out uh, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, show, which is called uh, I'm Telling You For The Last Time. You can get it on DVD. You can download it. Uh, you can get an audio CD version of it. Buy the whole show. It's brilliant. Okay? Right. Now let me play you the last thing, um, the, the final thing. And this is a real story, true story. It's not a stand-up comedy routine, although there are a couple of little laughs in it. But it's just a very short um, clip, about three minutes, by a guy called Rick Elias. And um, three things he learned when his plane crashed. This is not stand-up routine. But it's just an awesome story. And we love engaging true stories on Luke's English Podcast, don't we? 
I thought it would be a good way to end this episode of the podcast. So this is an account of someone who was on board US Airways Flight 1549, which had to crash land in the Hudson River after a bird strike during takeoff from LaGuardia Airport in 2009. The pilot in this case was a real hero because he managed to land the plane very calmly in the Hudson River with no loss of life. So imagine being on this plane where uh, the engines cut out and you realize that you're going to have to crash land in a river. What are the thoughts that would go through your head? So here the storyteller reflects on what it was what it's really like to face your own death and what he learned from that. It's worth remembering that we shouldn't take anything for granted. This is from a TED talk called uh, Three Things I Learned When My Plane Crashed. And this is the uh, story which is going to play out at the end of this episode of the podcast. Let's listen to it now. Imagine a big explosion as you climb through 3,000 feet. Imagine a plane full of smoke. Imagine an engine going clack, 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 clack. Sounds scary. Well, I had a unique seat that day. I was sitting in 1D. I was the only one who could talk to the flight attendants. So I looked at them right away, and they said, no problem. We probably hit some birds. The pilot had already turned the plane around, and we weren't that far. You could see Manhattan. Two minutes later, three things happen at the same time. The pilot lines up the plane with the Hudson River. It's usually not the route. <laughs> he turns off the engines. Now imagine being on a plane with no sound. And then he says three words, as unemotional three words as I've ever heard. He says, brace for impact. I didn't have to talk to the flight attendant anymore. <laughs> I could see in her eyes. It was terror. Life was over. Now I want to share with you three things I learned about myself that day. I learned that it all changes in an instant. We have this bucket list. We have these things we want to do in life. And I thought about all the people I wanted to reach out that I didn't. All the fences I wanted to mend. All the experiences I wanted to have and I never did. As I thought about that, later on I came up with a saying, which is, I collect bad wines. Because if the wine is ready and the person is there, I'm opening it. I no longer want to postpone anything in life. And that urgency, that purpose has really changed my life. The second thing I learned that day, and this is as we um, clear the George Washington Bridge, which was by not a lot. I thought about, wow, I really feel one real regret. I've lived a good life in my own humanity and mistakes. I've tried to get better at everything I've tried. But in my humanity, I also allow my ego to get in. And I regretted the time I wasted in things that did not matter with people that matter. And I thought about my relationship with my wife, with my friends, with people. And after, as I reflected on that, I decided to eliminate negative energy from my life. It's not perfect. It's a lot better. I've not had a fight with my wife in two years. It feels great. I'm no longer trying to be right. I choose to be happy. 
The third thing I learned, and this is as your mental clock starts going 15, 14, 13, you can see the water coming. I'm saying, please blow up. Right? I don't want this thing to break in 20 pieces like you've seen in those documentaries. And as we're coming down, I had a sense of, wow, dying is not scary. It's almost like we've been preparing for it our whole lives. But it was very sad. I didn't want to go. I love my life. And that sadness really framed in one thought, which is, I only wish for one thing. I only wish I could see my kids grow up. About a month later, I was in a performance by my daughter, first grader, not much artistic talent, <laughs> yet. And I'm bawling, I'm crying like a little kid. And it made all the sense in the world to me. I realized at that point, by connecting those two dots, that the only thing that matters in my life is being a great dad. Above all, above all, the only goal I have in life is to be a good dad. I was given the gift of a miracle, of not dying that day. I was given another gift, which was to be able to see into the future and come back and live differently. I challenge you guys that are flying today, imagine the same thing happens on your plane, and please don't. But imagine, and how would you change? What would you get done that you're waiting to get done because you think you'll be here forever? How would you change your relationships and the negative energy in them? And more than anything, are you being the best parent you can? Thank you. Food for thought there for everyone, I think. Very interesting to just make you think um, you mustn't take anything for granted. Thanks for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast, by the way. Uh, don't forget that if you do visit teacherluke.co.uk, you can read transcripts of all of the clips that I've played for you today, as well as many of the things that I said too. Um, a lot of it's transcribed, okay? So do visit the website. You can actually read and learn and uh, keep pushing your English to the next level. Uh, that's the end of this episode, and uh, I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Um, if you are concerned about flying, after listening to all these scary stories, let me just remind you that flying is actually far, far safer than many of the other things that we do in our daily lives. Driving, walking down the street, these are actually more dangerous than flying, statistically. So don't worry, you can sleep fine and uh, you've got nothing to worry about on your next journey. Um, but um, do keep in mind some of the things you've heard. Leave your comments on the website um, and I'll speak to you again soon. For now, though, it's goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.